Welcome in to the Fantasy Playmakers Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy. You can find on Twitter at PopesFFH. It is June 1st, and I am joined by Ryan, as always, who you can find on Twitter at Mackie underscore FFB. How's it going, Ryan? Not too bad, man. Had my uh, weekly soccer game again today, and uh, my kid finally scored a goal today, so I was pretty pumped about that. But now it's uh, time to shift my focus a little bit to this. Ah, so now he's moving up the dynasty ranks over there in fantasy soccer, as we can see. He's got to be the dynasty 101 at this point now. Yeah, for sure. We are joined by a very special guest today. We are joined by Bob from I80 Sports, who you can find on Twitter at I80 underscore sports. How's it going, Bob? Doing great. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Just uh, happy to be here talking about the uh, NFC South. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something exciting. I think that the NFC South is one of those really polarizing type divisions this year. I think Uh, a lot of movement kind of down there, a lot of skilled players and a lot of, I guess, question marks. Yes, skilled players, depending on the question marks of quarterbacks. I think you have two teams that are really leaning on quarterback play there. So, but before we dive into that, I am. we're here to to let you guys know we do have a Scott Fish Bowl giveaway, guys. We are honored to have the opportunity to give away one spot to the main event of Scott Fish Bowl 11 via yards per. And we have been running for probably about, what would you say, Ryan? I think it's been four or five days now. Um, there's a link on yards per Twitter. Also, you can go to yards per fantasy, um, dot com to find the link as well to enter promo code that we will be giving away later. Um, but there are multiple steps you can do to earn entries into this, which is you can watch live today, which will earn you three entries. You can also follow yards per on Twitter for two extra entries. You can visit the yards per on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram. You can also subscribe to the feed me podcast on Spotify or Apple. You can also subscribe or follow us on YouTube and or Apple and Spotify. And the big one is if you download the yards per app, you can get five extra entries. The drawing will be held next week on the podcast. Um, And you have until I believe it is Saturday to get all your entries in. So definitely do that. Um, That's pretty exciting. I know Ryan got his, uh, official invite bob did you get an invite to scott fish i don't I, know i did not but i downloaded the app so guys we're looking so, forward yeah. to this i got my five entries in already there you go and i think this counts as at least three we'll let alex know that he's got to give you at least three i mean you're, you're part of the actual live broadcast so it counts as, as one that's, so. that's true no. Dude, yeah, so maybe, maybe we'll give him a bonus one did you did you see alex actually uh posted on yards per how many entries we have as of right now I did not. So look at that. Ryan stepping it up to the plate. As of five minutes ago, there are 748 entries. Oh, boy. Feeling good about my chances, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know, you know. Heck, I didn't think I was going to get in, and then I didn't think Ryan was going to get in, and then I uh, just tossed him in on a Scott Fish post, and Scott tricked us all with the plot twist and got all you guys in there. That was pretty intense, so... Dude, I was sitting there watching that video, and I'm like, I'm like watching my guy. I can, I'd like zoom in on my screen really far, and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm getting my ass kicked right now. And then all of a sudden, like it, it popped up saying that everybody was invited, and I was like, wait a second. I literally had to like rewatch the video like twice to make sure I was reading it correctly. I had to pause the video, make sure I read it right. Uh, it was exciting, man. It was, it was cool. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I unexpectedly got in too, so you know. 
that we'll see how this goes. You oh, know. You're, you're getting in regardless. I don't, you're I don't getting know. in. Maybe. We'll see. But <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's get to the meat of this episode. I think like Bob had alluded to, I think everybody's excited and here to uh, learn about the AFC South and what we just think about this entire division as a fantasy, as it goes to fantasy. So let's start with the Atlanta Falcons here, guys. Bob, I'll let you lead us off here. I want to talk about Matt Ryan. He finished his quarterback 12. He had 293.44 points, according to Fantasy Pros. What do we expect from Matt Ryan? Do we see a increase here, or do we see a decrease, do we think, in finishing position? Um, I know that they've come out and said that Arthur Smith said that he's going to pass a little bit more than he did in Tennessee. Um, but what do you think? I personally think quarterback 12 might be I think that's going to kind of be where he ends up again, but I want to know what you think. Yeah, so when I started him out, I had 419 completions, 5,032 yards. So I had that volume was there, a little extra. I have him coming back down to earth, 28 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That, for me, lands him 18 points per game, would land him exactly quarterback 12, which is exactly where he was last season. I think he's going to do it a different way. I could see the yardage and the volume being higher, but the efficiency and the touchdowns being a little bit lower. 5,000 is a huge mark, but in 17 games, if he's healthy, I can see him reaching that. Yeah, I think projections are, they just seem crazy. I did some this year for the first time, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man. Like that extra game just makes those numbers look crazy. So I think it's going to be intense too this year with that extra game as far as fantasy goes. But uh, Ryan, how do you feel about Matt Ryan? Uh, yeah, QB 12 seems about right. He, uh, I mean, since t- 2017, he's averaged 4,500 yards, 27 touchdowns, QB ring in 96, over 600 pass attempts a season. So he, that that seems about, seems about right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that – 40, 4,800 yards, 29, 30 touchdowns or so, and just kind of stay on track for where he's been over the past few seasons. But I think his projections have to change a little bit if Julio moves, obviously. I think they their defense is going to get any better, and they lack a solid run game, so I feel like they are still going to have to throw the ball a ton. But not having that alpha receiver at, like at all outside of Calvin Ridley, I mean, obviously those two make up a pretty solid – wide receiving core. So that helps out his, his numbers a little bit. So I'm curious to see what will happen exactly if uh, Julio is in fact traded here in the next couple weeks or so. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to monitor. Um, Cause I agree. I think we'll move right into that and kind of lure into the wide receiver position there. Julio last year only played in nine games. He did see 68 targets and produce 771 yards. He's obviously Matt Ryan's favorite target, longest standing target as well. However, Calvin Ridley kind of took over the change of the guard there. And I know there's a lot of talk sometimes where Calvin Ridley, they don't think that he can handle it outside of Julio. But personally, I'm a big Calvin Ridley guy. And I think Calvin Ridley has proven multiple times that without Julio Jones, he can perform. Um, His numbers are a little bit lower, but they're not crazy. We're talking like maybe one or two points per game of a difference. Um, I... Do worry a little bit for Matt Ryan if Julio moves on, but I think that still they have Russell Gage, they have some other options, and then added obviously Kyle Pitts. So as far as these wide receivers go, Bob, how do we feel? Do we think that Julio leaving is a huge effect, or do you think it just bumps, say, like a Russell Gage up again? Well, as far as I know, on June 1st, Julio Jones is a member of the Atlanta Falcons, and I had his statum out as if that 
he was going to be a member next season. Now, I think that Kevin Ridley is going to get his, and he's cemented in. And what I really like about them, like Julio Jones is not a touchdown guy anyway. He's never been a touchdown guy in his career. So Ridley has all the touchdown upside that Julio Jones never had. And I think that he they're unaffected. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, I think if Julio Jones is gone, that raises Russell Gage. That brings uh, Olamide Zacchaeus up to that next level. And I think everyone else kind of uh, fluctuates and kind of fits into, you know, however the targets fall. Right now I have Calvin Ridley, 1,458 yards on 99 receptions for 11 touchdowns. And if Julio's not there, I don't think I'm changing any of those stats. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think like they're just going to move the targets that they would have given. Oh, bye, Ryan. They would have given us to Julio. They would have given, I think we'll just end up with Gage, like you had mentioned. However, let's add Ryan in here real quick since he bailed on us. Ryan, why'd you leave us? My, my Wi-Fi is messing up for some reason, man. Yeah, sure. You just didn't like what Bob had to say, did you? No, I actually didn't catch it. Anything that he said, he he started talking. All of a sudden, he started going all uh, robot digital on me. So I don't really know what he said. To be honest, I said Ridley's really good and Julio doesn't matter. He did say that basically in a lot more which, words. In a lot more yeah. words, which basically made me happy. So I'm cool. We can just end the episode now if you guys want to know. <laughs> but no, Ryan, how do you feel? Do you think Julio leaving affects Ridley? Like he's going to get a bump, or do you think Ridley kind of just stays where he was last year? How Bob had alluded to with about 99 receptions, 1,400 yards, and then you just see kind of a bump from, like, the rest of the guys below them, like a gauge, the um, Olamide, Zach Accuse, however you say his name. Sorry, I totally probably butchered that. Bob said it much better. Um, or even, like, say, Kyle Pitts or Hayden Hurst. No, I, I honestly think really kind of just stays where he's at. I mean, he was fifth last year in receiving yards, fourth in uh, yards per game last season. Uh, and the, the people that say that he – Oof, Ryan's leaving us again. So what I see here for the uh, game without Julio. So it's, it's not like he needs him in the lineup to produce. Understandable. Although you did break up a little bit there, but let's go real quick. Obviously I think we've hammered that out. Like Bob had said, when you came back, the quick answer is Calvin Ridley is good. Stop going with the narrative that without Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley is going to suffer. It's not going to happen. And then Julio Jones is still relevant. However, if he leaves, it doesn't really affect too much outside of, or doesn't give Ridley that much of a bump. So let's go on to the running backs here. And we'll say one thing real quick, Jeremy. Sorry. Okay. Russell Gage's current ADP. When I looked is wide receiver 77 right now. And if some if you're getting him at that value, even if I think even if Julio's there, he was wide receiver 37 last year in PPR. If Russell Gage is at wide receiver 77 in your league, he should be an automatic buy on everybody's fantasy team, regardless. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I've I've held on to Russell Gage's whole offseason just because of the question marks with Julio Jones. I mean, I've added people in drafts and stuff like that, but I still feel like Gage, I've dropped a couple other people that you know, I mean, like a Tim Patrick or somebody like that in that same category, I think Russell Gage has a chance to still see good volume, especially if Arthur Smith holds up to what he's saying, where they're going to come over, they're going to pass more than they are going to run. But let's get on to the run game here. We obviously know Mike Davis was signed. He seems to be the lead back in this backfield as there is just a bunch of, I would say, three guys who 
I don't know who's going to be the running back too, so I'm going to ask you guys. So we have Ido Smith, who's still there. There's Javanian Hawkins, who they signed out of Louisville as an undrafted free agent rookie, and also Caleb Huntley, who they signed as an undrafted free agent rookie out of Ball State. So who do we think emerges as the RB2 behind Mike Davis here? Bob? I have Quadri Olison as the running oh, back two and gosh. Tony Brooks James as the running back three. Wow, really? I Quadri Olson. I totally forget. You know, I stashed him for so long on so many dynasty rosters, and here I am just neglecting him. You're not going to use so him in bad. 2021 either. Yeah, probably not. Never. But let's be real then. Let's go with Mike Davis. What do we think? Is Mike Davis going to exceed his RB12 that he had last year in PPR leagues or... Do we see him being somewhere in the same or kind of a drop off just based on guys returning healthy this year? Bob? Yeah, so I have him getting a huge target share in the uh, not target share, a uh, rush share. Um, and that leaves him at 265 rushes, which is still kind of a disappointing number. As good as Mike Davis was for a couple of weeks, he was a liability over the second half of the season. If you had him on your roster weeks nine through 16, you were cringing putting, you know, submitting that every week because he had a pretty poor rest of the season. I have him at about 3.8 yards per carry, which would land him 1,000 yards, um, 1,007 yards. I have him nine overall touchdowns and about 300 receiving yards. So um, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. That has him 11.8 fantasy points. Uh, sorry. Uh, late running back one. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's like extreme high upside, to be honest. I, I agree with you. I think Mike Davis kind of tailed off. It was interesting looking like he really only averaged 9.8. PPR points a game last year and I agree I think he tailed off there at the end and I just think I mean he's what he's going to be 29 this year right I believe so much he's been around so he just just turned 28 so what is Arthur Smith's role going to be obviously he's coming out he's going to say he's going to pass you don't take Kyle Pitts fourth overall and not throw him the ball. So I just feel like Mike Davis, I think like bothered alluded to that 250 ish to 60 kind of area seems about right. The question is, is, is his efficiency going to go up or down versus Carolina and Atlanta? And I do think that possibly like Quadriolison or, I mean, Javanian Hawkins had some flash. I mean, there could be a, a more of an RB by committee here than we think. Um, so I'm not sold on Mike Davis being like this, great buy this offseason i think he's a decent buy but i think that late rb1 i feel like rb2 is more of a realistic number like that 15 16 range ryan how do you feel about mike davis well i i might have missed it do you have his numbers from last season in front of you jeremy i don't have his statistics but i know he finished rb12 and he had 147.5 ppr points he had 165 rushes for 650 yards, almost 60 receptions for 375. So about a thousand yards. Okay. You, so I I forgot to put in my notes exactly what his stats were, but since 2010, only five running backs at age 28 or older have had a season like Davis had last season. So those numbers are better. Shady McCoy, Mark Ingram, DeMarco Murray, Matt Forte, and LT. So are we thinking that Mike Davis is on that level of a player at age 28? No, personally, I don't think so. That That's what I'm saying. I just, I don't see, I can't see them using him like they use Derrick Henry, for example. You know I mean? I, f I feel like everybody's thinking Arthur Smith's going to use him like Derrick Henry gets used. 
in Tennessee when he was there, but I just don't see that. I think he, Arthur Smith also came out and said he wants to pass more. This, the Atlanta team's built to pass. They're not built to run the ball 300 times. I don't think they're going to have season. the opportunity to run the ball yeah. because they're going to be behind that. Yeah, like you so said. often in games. Um, so I'm going to go no, but when I talk about running backs, I like to look at that 1,600 carry mark because it seems like that 1,600 carry mark is a lot um, more important than age when you talk about tread on the tires. Mike Davis, he's older, but he's... I mean, he's been kept out of games for better or for worse. So I, I don't really think that he should factor in with those guys because those guys were superstars the second they touched in the league. I think Mike Davis can do it. He's just, he's not, a, is anyone excited about Mike Davis? I'm not personally. I mean, his quad pick was pretty intense. You know, he's got some pretty big quads now. So he's up there with AJ Dillon. So outside of Down that, there with AJ so, yeah, <laughs> down there. <laughs> Bob, what'd you, what'd you say about his, uh, I'm sorry, what'd you say about, about his last uh, half of the year or so? What, what'd you say he looked like the last half of the year? Not good. I, th- I, think, I think he looked great the first eight games, and it was, he looked like a liability. Right. So, because he saw he, he had a career high in snaps, rushing attempts, yards, touchdowns, targets, receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. So, at 28 years old, I really... He, he might have another great first half, but if he already died down last season after that workload, do we really I, – I just can't see Atlanta leaning on him completely to be that main back that everybody is seeing him to be. And I'm not saying he won't have a good year. I'm not saying that at all. I, I think he'll have a relatively solid season. I just can't see him finishing as an RB1 again by any means. And CM Brown appears to think that Javanian Hawkins is going to take over, which, you know, it is definitely a possibility. I mean, Javanian Hawkins has some wheels, so – Mike Davis starts to tread out there, you know, they could always plug him in. My one prediction for Atlanta would be just like last year with Russell Gage. There's going to be someone that we're not talking about now. Who's going to be a factor in 2022. And I'm big on Caleb Huntley. Honestly, I know a lot of people are screaming the Javanian Hawkins side, but uh, Matt over or Matt FF dynasty on Twitter um, over at the fantasy wildcard kind of lured me on to Caleb Huntley and you watch him tape. I mean, he looks pretty good. You know, it looks a little bit like he doesn't have necessarily that big burst, but looks like a pretty solid runner. He could be something possibly. But let's move on to the exciting player here. Drafted fourth overall, Kyle Pitts. What are we expecting here, guys? The tight ends have always kind of come out rookie years and disappointed. But, I mean, this guy's built up as a generational guy. Do we think he gets a top 10 dynasty or a top 10 PPR finish this year, Bob? I think that this is more reliant on the Julio Jones situation than anything with any of the other wide receivers. Kyle Pitts is a tight end. He was drafted as a tight end. He said in college he wanted to block. He wanted to play tight end. So I don't think he's going to be one of those pseudo wide receivers coming out the gate. And that means his rookie year, he's got to take a step back. Now, Julio Jones goes and they need that star power. Maybe they're going to use him more like a wide receiver, but I would not predict that as the team stands right now. I have him projected at 95 targets, 65 receptions, and 775 yards, which is extreme. No rookie tight end should ever be uh, put that high. Um, And we were talking about his tight end, uh, his end zone threat. Um, in college, he was. I have him as five t- touchdowns. I, I see people putting him double digits already. Not for rookie, not for me, not yet. That puts him at tight end seven. Um, I'm not excited for Kyle Pitts right now where it stands. Rookies in the tight end position don't do very well. He's not a wide receiver. 
He's not a wide receiver. He does play tight end. So that's where I got him, tight end seven. I know that at tight end seven, I will not own him this season. Yeah, I think it's he's going crazy in dynasty drafts. He's going. I'm I'm assuming he's going to go crazy in redrafts as well once we get closer. But I think if he finishes tight end seven, I mean, he's going to be untouchable. I don't think that you're going to be able to trade for him. I don't think you're going to be able to make any moves for him. I just feel like that seems fair to me. A lot of people want to put him at four already next year and that they think, like you'd said, a lot of people are saying double digit touchdowns, almost 900 yards. And I just don't see it. Like, I'm not saying Kyle Pitts is bad. I think Kyle Pitts is a very talented player. I think he's a very good tight end. I just don't see him being that big of a factor in this offense that quick, especially with Julio there. Because like you had said, Calvin Ridley's kind of just, he shirt up the red zone area. And I feel like, I mean, Hayden Hurst did have six touchdowns last year. So if Pitts just takes over and that's where Hurst ended as tight end 10 last year, which was 571 yards on 88 targets. So, I mean, if he just takes over that role, I mean, yeah, I think I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Hayden Hurst is still there. And Hayden Hurst is really good at football and he's a veteran. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I just don't see, I mean, I like Kyle Pitts, but they've also come out and said they might line him up out wide. So like, what's his role going to be? So I just want to, I just, I don't know. I'm not like overly, I'm not like super high on Kyle Pitts for 2021. We'll say, but I think as a dynasty asset, I mean, Kyle Pitts is great, but I personally also don't own him much of anywhere just because like you had said, where he's getting drafted either in startups or rookie drafts, like that's just too rich for me at a tight end position, but one Oh one in rookie yeah. startups. I've seen him go that high. Yeah. I saw Not somebody, I saw somebody take him at one, one in a dynasty startup because he knew he wasn't going to get him at two, one. So, I mean, and it was a super flex league just because they really wanted him, which, okay. I mean, get your guys. That's what makes dynasty fun, but Ryan, Kyle Pitts, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, like you said, if you said if he finishes his tight end seven, he's going to be untouchable. I mean, I've seen I've seen trade offers with my own eyes that is Pitts for Travis Kelsey straight up and got turned down. If I if I had Kyle Pitts and somebody offered me Travis Kelsey for him straight up, I'm taking it whether I'm rebuilding or contender doesn't matter just because Kelsey's proven and it's it, his, his hype is just un, unreal right now, but Arthur Smith did target his tight ends 30% of the time last year. Hayden Hurst is good at football. Like you guys said, so I'm not, I don't think that 30% target share would all go to Kyle Pitts. So even if he gets like a, even if the tight ends get a 25% target share, Pitts probably gets what half of that, maybe, maybe a little bit more with Hayden Hurst being there. Cause like you guys said, he's, he's a veteran. He knows the system. He's already, be, he's already been there. I mean, I, this is my change a little bit, but they're still going to, he is still like an connection with Matt Ryan. And it's just, I don't know, like you guys said, I'm not going to have a whole lot of shares of him just because he's getting taken so high. I have one share of him and I took him in a rookie draft that was tight end premium. And I got him into one Oh four. I do have right now. That is exactly what I have. I have a 25% target share. For the tight ends, I have them broken down 95 targets for Pitts, 75 targets for Hayden Hurst. Um, that is going to be skewed towards the beginning and the uh, end of the season. Like Hayden Hurst is going to have more, I feel, at the beginning, the first six, eight weeks. Kyle Pitts, if he could turn it on, he's going to win some people some fantasy championships because week 15, week 16, maybe he gets in the end zone, becomes a favorite target at that point. But where you take him, you have to, you're going to risk going two and three, you know, to start your season out before he gets going. 
not for me. I love it. I love all those points. Let's move on to another exciting team here in the offseason, the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers traded away Teddy Bridgewater, and they brought in Sam Darnold. Um, Darnold kind of has had a bad rap up in New York. Last year, he finished his QB 30 in 12 games. He averaged 12.9 points per game. Is Sam Darnold a viable quarterback, too, for you, Bob, as far as Superflex goes, or is he just kind of a bench kind of QB3 type finish this year? He absolutely is. I think Darnold is going to be much better in Carolina Panthers, but better Sam Darnold, it only gets you so far. I have him at 550 attempts, 364 completions, 3,843 yards, 26 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, so low touchdowns and a terrible ratio, but I still think he gets 15.5 fantasy points per game, which lands him at 20 in my book, and in a 2QB league, 20 gets you done. Yeah, I mean, I like that spot. That seems, I do, I like that spot a lot. I think that's a good spot for Darnold and a good expectation, we'll put it as. How about you, Ryan? So, I'm honestly not sure what to think of him because while I was doing my research, I literally just saw a lot more negative stats than I saw positive stats for him. Like, like everything, I mean, like everything I saw. The only good stat that I saw was that according to Next Gen Stats, Darnold had the fifth highest completion percentage of receivers with at least three yards of separation while under no pressure. So while he's not getting pressured and the receivers That's had three yards separation, he's on target. 92. That happens a lot. You know, I could throw a football to an open guy with uh, no one pressuring me too. Sign me up, that guys. Is exactly exactly yeah, my I mean, point. Uh, poor so, Sam Darnold. I mean, after, after that, it's just ugly. I mean, he ranks no higher than see, 30th out of 50 in any – key stat that I looked up in according to PFF. Oof. All right. So Sam Darnold's a viable quarterback too in super flex. Just but keep Adam Gase in the back of your head. Those are Adam okay. Gase numbers, not Sam Darnold numbers. So I got I got one key stat that pertains directly to Carolina. Okay. Hit Carolina us. with a healthy CMC in 2019 ran the sixth most play action plays in the NFL. Sam Darnold was 37th in play action completion percentage of those 50 quarterbacks with at least five or with at least 300 pass attempts the last three seasons. So not good. So not not great for what they look to do (laughs) at Carolina. (laughs) Bob comes in with the great. (laughs) Ah, Bob, gotta love it. I do love their weapons, though. So I, I obviously like their weapons a lot more than I like Sam or the Jets' weapons from last season. In any season that Sam Darnold's been at New York, so I, I will, I'm willing to look past that and say QB twenty is a fair assessment and projection for him at this current point. Let's move on to those weapons that we love so much here in Carolina. Let's move right into the running back room here. CMC coming off the injury. Do we get, do you guys have him still as your RB one as far as dynasty and redraft this season, Bob? I do not, but I don't have him far. I have him as the number four and we could talk about, you know, where I have, you know, I have the first four guys and then a huge gap and then everyone else. However, I could not fault anyone for taking him earlier. I want to know 
Is he getting the workload? Are they going to spell him a bit? Um, I think we kind of learned some lessons last year with the usage and bringing him back a little early and what happened there. I don't think this team's going to be competing for anything. So we'll see what they get out of Christian McCaffrey, but I can't have him there anymore now. All right, Ryan. Uh, I feel like he still has to be the RB1 to me, just, just with his workload, even if he took like a step back. I mean, this is the first season that he didn't appear in 16 games. Maybe didn't finish all 16 in any season prior to this, but this is the first time he hasn't appeared in all 16 games. Uh, when he was healthy last season, they immediately got him 20 carries a game, six targets a game. So when he's when he's healthy, he's clearly the vocal point of that offense. Uh, prior to last season, three straight seasons of 100-plus targets, led the league in touches, scrimmage yards, and total touchdowns in 2019. He's just a fantastic football player. I and mean, you just don't – I understand that injuries can start to creep up on a guy, but he he bulked up over last offseason to kind of help avoid that. And I feel like he just kind of got unlucky with his injuries. I don't feel like it's anything that we have to be concerned about in the long term. And he was just so far and away the best fantasy running back in 2019 that even if he does take a step back in terms of volume, I feel like he's just such an important part of that offense that he's still the RB1 in my book. Nice. I like both opinions. Do we think that Chuba Hubbard or Chuba, sorry, not Chuba, Chuba Hubbard will be a flex option this season? Do we think that he's going to get enough of a workload like Bob had alluded to where like they spell some of that from CMC? Or do we think that he gets used kind of like a Curtis Samuel type gadget type guy? Um, What do we think here? What is our expectations for Chuba? Bob? I think he does spell CMC at points, and I think he is a good handcuff. I have him at 160 touches, 130 rushes, and 30 receptions, which is not a whole lot. Um, And that'll put him at 7.3 fantasy points per game, which is like uh, running back 38. It's It's the back end of RB4. So I don't have him with much standalone value, but I do think he should be considered um, a top tier handcuff. I like that. I I liked Hubbard coming out of school too. So, I mean, I think that long-term Hubbard has some good value there. Ryan, let's move on to the wide receivers quick. Let's move on to DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, obviously the top two targets in this offense. Who do we think sees the larger target share? Robbie Anderson saw it last year at 136. DJ Moore had 118 targets. Um, Ryan, who do you think, is the lead target this year. Sorry for the pause there. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, I mean, I've, off, off the top of my head, I feel like Robbie Anderson might have a slight edge just because of his already established connection with Sam Darnold from his years with the Jets. But I feel like DJ Moore is just a better football player. I feel like he got super unlucky last season. I mean, I, I posted a stat that Carolina receivers are pretty unlucky as it is. They – DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson were both in the top two for uh, uncatchable targets inside the uh, inside the red zone this season. This past season, uh, DJ Moore had six and Robbie Anderson had five. So I feel like they, I feel like DJ Moore is one of those guys that people look at as like, oh hey, he doesn't produce in the red zone, he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. But when you're not getting catchable targets in the red zone, that kind of makes it hard to do. But in terms of who finishes higher in targets i'm gonna go with the better player and the better overall talent say dj Moore finishes with more targets how about you bob how are we feeling here yes so i 
it's it's tough because where I have him statted out right now, in order to give 120 targets to DJ Moore and 125 to Robbie Anderson, that means respectively they're getting 21, 8, and 22, 7% of the target share, which is a ridiculous number for two players to carry. However, that's what I got to predict from what I see on the page. I have uh, 68 receptions for DJ Moore, 75 receptions for Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is, you know, he's the veteran. And I guess the, the story is that he's played before um, in that Jets offense, but he wasn't very good at the, on the Jets. He, he, he was a, a player that you would never start in a fantasy league until last season. So um, it's tough. I have him right around the same spot. I have DJ Moore uh, with more yards and uh, two more touchdowns than Robbie Anderson. Um, they're both in that, you know, kind of range. That's what I call it. That's yeah. the tier. It's yeah. yeah, I agree. I think I think a lot of people are pushing for DJ Moore to be like this wide receiver one type production this year. And I just don't see it. I don't think he's ever really produced it. And you can't say he hasn't had targets like he had the targets last year. And I think the struggles, like Ryan had said, where they have the bad red zone, like catchable percentage there. However, it doesn't as sad as bad as this sounds like it doesn't matter. Like if it's an uncatchable ball, it's it's it stinks for him because the only way to really get into that top tier is to get those touchdowns. So I just feel like they're stuck in that. Like you said, that meh wide receiver two type. However, in the tier, he might be the best guy there. Cause if you look yeah. at the guys going around him, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, Odell Beckham, Jr. Uh, DJ shark. So outside I'm of taking like, him over them. Yeah. I mean, I would be torn with DJ shark, but I'm like really high on DJ shark. So but I agree. I think DJ Moore has the most upside of all those guys you listed there. So I could see the argument to be made. So let's move on from those two. And who do we have as the next guy in line? It's obviously Terrace Marshall would probably be that. But who do we think? Do we think like Cy Smith could make a run for their slot role, Bob? I'm not interested. Nothing for Cy Smith. How about Terrace Marshall? Nothing. Terrence Marshall, I have him similar to like what Jalen Rager would have done last season. Um, I have him 45 targets, 250 plus yards. Again, not really interested. If something happens preseason or if something really stands out in camp, I have no problem moving these targets around. Like I said, I have almost 40% of the targets on two guys. So I'd love to distribute some targets elsewhere. I got to see with my eyes first. Fair, fair assessment. I, I always go off of that as a big assessment. I think that's one thing that I've noticed a lot since being really in this fantasy community that like, it almost seems like that's not like a big thing for some people. Like, I think a lot of people just like to look and say, okay, there's 90 targets left behind. It's got to, they can't give them all to this person. But like, I like to see, I'm a visual person. I like, like you said, Bob, to see it. Like if a guy proves that he can do it on tape, like I'm in, if he can't prove that, then what's the point of saying that he can do it? You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of like I agree there where I like want to see what his role is going to be before I'm like all in on, say, Terrace Marshall. But I do like Terrace Marshall, especially as a dynasty asset. I'm all in on acquiring him. But I just don't know as far as like you said, 2021. He might be like a Michael Pittman, like you said, Jalen Rager, where like they might blow up a game or two. But other than that, they might be a tough start this year. Ryan, how do you feel about either of those two guys? So I see Shai Smith is possibly taking over that little gadgety type player that Curtis Samuel left behind. I, I just don't see him getting too, too many touches with the, 
uh, with all the weapons that they have outside of with CMC coming back and obviously more and Robbie Anderson that we talked about. I do have some interest in Terrace Marshall though, just because of the, just because of the previous production that he showed in college. I mean, 600 yards, 23 touchdowns, about two and a half seasons at LSU and Joe Brady and their wide receiver coach over there, Frisman Jackson had them had Terrence Marshall ranked as their highest uh, wide receiver on the board when they drafted him. And Matt Rule has come out and said that his ability to play both outside and inside is paramount what they're trying to do this season with their wide receivers. So the fact that he's able to play in different positions on the field, like if Robbie needs spelled or maybe they want to put Robbie Anderson in the slot and let Terrace Marshall play on the outside, uh, I feel like that leaves a lot of uh, space now on what the word is, the versatility, a lot of versatility on the field that he can do where he can play both positions and be effective in, in both spots. Yeah, and I, I like that. So let's move on to a position that's in Carolina and not really used. Um, I mean, Ian Thomas was the big talk last year, and everybody said Ian Thomas is going to break into that tight end one. Do we think Dan Arnold has that chance? Is Dan Arnold going to be a thing this year, or is it just uh, another of Bob's meh because they don't use the tight end? Bob? It's more than a man. It's uh, just no. You know where he's being drafted currently? Uh, no, I haven't checked the deal. He's DLS. not being drafted currently, and that's exactly how it should be when the season starts. Should I add him as a waiver, though? Like, do I got a shot? Like, is he going to no, be No, uh, you know the little blue flag next to him? Make yeah. sure it's not lit up because you don't want to see him refreshed. Oh, okay. All right. Ryan, that, that I think I have. 55 targets total for the tight ends. I have them split pretty evenly. 35 for Dan Arnold, 20 for Ian Thomas, and it doesn't amount to much. 200 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not excited about any of the tight ends in Carolina. I agree. I just think that it's a scheme. I don't know if it's more scheme or just they just don't believe in them, but they just don't really use them, so I'm not, like, overly excited there. Ryan, do you are you excited with Dan Arnold, or are you cool with just going with nah? No, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, Dan Arnold had his career year last year with 31 catches, 438, and four touchdowns. So that's not really interesting to me, especially since Carolina only throws their tight end like 8% of the time or something like that. I'm Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy Trumbull leads them in snaps at the tight end position just because he's such a good blocker. So, I, I yeah, no, I'm not interested in any of those guys from for a fantasy standpoint. All right. Before we move on, let's uh, let's give out our special code release here. Just prove that you watched us live tonight. Um, I'm going to run a banner across for it, and you can take this code, which is Playmakers, and you can go to yardsperfantasy.com backslash F or SFB and enter that there. This will get you the bonus entries into the giveaway for the position and the Scott Fish Bowl. And I'll give you guys a second, you know, leave it up there. But, yeah, let's move on here quick to the New Orleans Saints, another team that has question marks at quarterback. Guys, who do we think it's going to be? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? Ryan, I will let you go first. You would have me go first. Um, <laughs> to be honest, man, I from a, from a fantasy perspective, I feel like I, I want it to be Jameis Winston because we've already seen him produce as a top five fantasy option. And I feel like he just kind of opens that – he doesn't open the playbook up in terms of what they can do with the playbook. They just open it up to the wide receivers where he's more of a threat with his arm. I mean, Taysom obviously opens it up with his legs and he maybe makes the defense play a little bit more honest. But 
from a fantasy perspective and having shares of Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I'd much rather see uh, Jameis Winston on the field for them week one as opposed to Taysom Hill. And I'm going to agree with that. I think that that's the – that's what I feel like should happen. I feel like Jameis Winston is is the true quarterback, not that Taysom Hill isn't, but he kind of proved it last year that he's viable to an extent, but he kind of just – he's more of a stopgap. He's not going to really get the job done fully for a full season, I feel like. So, to me, I want it to be Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston bumps a lot of these guys up as far as fantasy assets go. I think just in general, Winston will open up the run game because it's going to be a more of a – they could – I don't know if it's going to be because of play calls, but they will be able to have the opportunity to lengthen the field in the passing game because um, Winston does have a big arm. And I'm curious to see. I want to see if Sean Payton kind of improved his interception percentage there. I mean, obviously, he threw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Just Can't be much ago, worse. So. Yeah, I mean, he's starting at the worst. So, I mean, he can only get better, right, guys? But he can make him Peterman. Hey, hey. Nathan Peterman <laughs> is great. Okay. Sean McDermott said he was good. So <laughs> anyways, just a Bills joke there, you know, and an NFL joke. But Bob, how do we feel? Do you think it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? I think it's Jameis Winston, hands down. Jameis Winston's the only pure quarterback on the team. And to be honest, I think Taysom Hill's value goes up the less he plays quarterback on this team. Um, if Taysom Hill is the quarterback, you know what he brings to the table, and it's not very much. But as a tight end, flex, wildcat, I think Taysom Hill has more value. And, and we talked about opening up the playbook. Jameis Winston under center and bringing Taysom Hill in, you add another dimension. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback, that's it. That's it. That's what you have. So I definitely like what Jameis brings to the table. I have him at quarterback 12 right now. Um, he's currently going at quarterback 26. Um, so yes, I like him in one quarterback leagues. Yes. I like him in two quarterback leagues. He's going to have weeks. He's going to kill you. But I think if he turns this around, if he has a good season, revitalizes his career, he could be the new poster child for a uh, LASIK vision and, uh, <laughs> you know, let's get it done. Yeah, there's definitely endorsements. So if Jameis, if you are happening to listen or watch, uh, Bob has just given you marketing tips and he would just like some endorsements for that. Right, Bob? I think, you know, yeah, and, and I, think, I think we it's all know what lot, that right? was. No yeah. one cares. Why did you put it on Twitter that I got LASIK vision? Players get that every offseason. Yeah. It was to show that he was like doing something. I mean, it was silliness, but I, I kind of feel works. like at the same point, it was a dedication towards bettering himself. Like, like that's what I took out of that. It, who cares if he had contacts? Or, I don't care. But the fact <laughs> right? that he knew something was wrong and he needed to improve to move forward in his career. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's respect, right? I'll buy in. Let's move on to some of the uh, skill players there. Let's move on to a player that I'm not as high as the consensus on, but yet some of the consensus is also out on it, so I'm not fully sure where I actually stand. But is Alvin Kamara, and what do we think without Drew Brees there and a possible dip in, say, like the check down type roles? Because we know Winston's going to just probably most likely chuck it up there unless Sean Payton's yelling at him. But what do we think about Kamara? Is he that top five running back again this year, Bob? I have him as the number one running back overall for next season. Um, I did not project all the teams, but where I have him for next season, and I kept saying, Bob, dial it back, Bob, dial it back, Bob, dial it back, and I just couldn't. I just was too too excited, too too many mouths to feed, um, too, uh, sorry, too many opportunities to touch the football. I have him breaking 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. 
he had an ungodly like 16 touchdowns rushing last season. I brought that down to 12. I'm cutting his stats left and right, and he's still getting that workload to be the running back one overall. What I would do, and I would advise anyone at home to do this too, say 17 games, Alan Kamara number one, and then for each game you think he's going to miss, move him down two spots, and you'll have him in the perfect spot for you. It's a good, good, good strategy there. Ryan, how do you feel about Kamara? Uh, I wasn't as high on him until I started doing a deeper dive into his production from last season. Cause I was a little bit worried about Taysom Hill and I was a little bit worried about what the, exactly the offense is going to look like with Drew Brees being gone. But I mean, if you look at his numbers from last season, he was just unreal in every way, shape and form. He was second on the team in targets per game, led the team in overall targets and receptions with 83, uh, had his career high in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards, targets, 80 catches in every season of his career. Uh, in ter- from the running back position, he was fourth in red zone touches, first in target share, first in yards per route, second in yards per touch, seventh in goal line carries, which he's not really looked at as a goal line back, but seventh in goal line carries is extremely, extremely high for a guy like him who gets all that receiving work. Uh, the only thing that makes me a little concerned is that with Taysom Hill, he's only saw 57% of the snaps, had three consecutive games with two or less catches and only 50 carries for 237 and three touchdowns in those weeks 11 through 14. So with Taysom Hill, the, obviously the game plan changed a lot for them. But I think with a full offseason, knowing who they're going to run at the quarterback position, knowing what the playbook's going to look like, I feel like that will uh, kind of revert back to what he was doing the rest of the season, which would just be absolutely dominant on the football field. So I guess I'm the one who's out. So I guess I can say that I'm just, you know, less on the consensus. I just, I just am concerned. I mean, it's tough because like I, like you guys had said, where you start to like look at the numbers and just try and figure out what options the saints have for playmakers. It's hard to look past Camara as like their main feature. So I don't know. I'm still just not like sold as him as RB one, like Bob is, but I do think that he's still top five. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm, I would move Kamara for, say, like a younger piece, like a Cam Akers and a J.K. Dobbins and like a first round pick in 22 if I'm a dynasty player. If I'm not going to have if I think my team's not going to compete this year or like have that chance to win the championship, if I'm like a middle of the road team, I'm willing to move on, I think. How do we think behind him, though? Do we think Latavius Murray has any viability and or the undrafted free agent Stevie Scott? Um, the Saints did come out and say they do want to run a little bit more. So do either of these guys have any fantasy viability for either of you guys? Uh, Ryan, why don't you start us off? Uh, this will be like the third or fourth year in a row that I've loved Latavius Murray as a handcuff. I mean, he's been just absolutely the model of consistency, six straight seasons with 575 and four touchdowns. Uh, he had his, his first game under Hill – Season high, 19 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. But for whatever reason, they his usage evaporated like immediately after that. He only had 25 carries for 105 yards in the four games total after that. I'm not quite sure why that is. I don't know if there was an injury that maybe I'm forgetting about or what it was. But to me, he is the he's one of the top five handcuffs in the league because he's just so consistent and he's efficient when he gets his touches. And how they want to use their running backs, which apparently, like you said, I don't know if it was Sean Payton that came out and said it, or if it was another coach that came out and said they want to lean a little bit more heavily on the running backs. Uh, I love Latavius Murray as like a uh, 
flex fill in if you if you need him, or he might even be a low end RB two in terms of uh, Alvin Kamara having to sit for any extended period of time. But I do like Stevie Scott as a goal line back. If Murray was to get injured or anything like that, he he doesn't really have that top end speed, but he's six two or six foot two twenty five. Uh, looking at him on tape, he just naturally falls forward and fights for that little extra yard. So I could see him being like a touchdown vulture type guy if he was uh, given the opportunity to do it. How about you, Bob? Anything for Murray or Scott? Yeah, so um, I love Latavius Murray. Um, I, I'm also a member of that fan club. Um, he's going to be 31 this season, but he still hasn't reached that 1,800 carry cliff that we see running backs fall off of. So I think they're still tread on the tires, even though the age is getting up there. I'm at about 150 carries, 660 yards, three touchdowns. He definitely has that upside. I am ranking him right now as running back 40. He's currently being drafted at running back 44 and in a spot where you can maybe on a bye week or in like a two flex league start him once in a while and have the added bonus that if, you know, that week comes where Alvin Kamara is not going to suit up, you can plug him and just be comfortable with him just out producing a lot of other people at that position. So I love Latavius Murray. Um, and behind him, I actually have uh, Ty Montgomery as the, the third guy getting some snaps in the backfield. I just feel he's a weapon who can be used a lot more interesting ways. I don't think he has value. I don't think he should be owned, but I think uh, he's someone I want to keep an eye on just, just for the heck of it, just for, you know, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, you can look at the wide receiver position and try and figure out maybe, maybe no, uh, Montgomery will have some options because outside of Michael Thomas, we have question marks and I want to get your guys' opinion. Do we think it's going to be Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith, Bob? No, neither. Nice. Ryan, <laughs> quick and simple. Uh, I mean, I feel like if, I mean, if somebody has to roll out there as the, as the wide receiver too for them. And uh, if I had to choose, it'd be uh Traquan Smith just because he's, he's proven that he can be a player in the NFL level and not that Marcus Callaway hasn't done anything. I mean, he, he's done, he did work in college and, uh, New Orleans B reporters seem to think that he has the inside track to the wide receiver two position from when I was from what I was looking at. So if I had to choose one, uh, it's probably Traquan Smith just from looking at uh, all the stats and stuff that I look into when when I'm doing research for the pod and stuff like that. It's just he's been he's been kind of hurt by injuries. He's missed ten games in his career because of various foot and ankle injuries and things like that. But uh, in that playoff loss at Tampa last season, he had three catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns, had a beautiful catch in the end zone. They kind of did a spinning toe tap in the at the corner of the end zone there. So uh, I feel like he can he could be a weapon. I just like to see him stay healthy. He was a third-round pick in 2018, 6'2", 210. So he kind of profiles as that type of outside receiver, but we just haven't seen him really do it on the field yet consistently. So Eric Ramoff here says, what did Traquan prove – when MT was out, he wants Callaway on the upside side of it. So he somewhatly agrees there with you, Ryan. Somewhatly. I agree. I, I kind of like Callaway a little bit. Um, Traquan Smith seems like the safe option, um, but I agree with uh, him there where Callaway kind of has probably the bigger upside of the two. Let's yep. move on to Michael Thomas here. Is Michael Thomas going to bounce back, and is he going to be a wide receiver one in 2021, guys? Bob? Yeah, so he, he missed nine games with an injury in 2020, which really, I think, killed his fantasy value. Um, this year, we have him back with Jameis Winston, which could be, you know, for the tight end one, 
yeah, a guy who's going to force you the ball. I, I, this is like a match made in heaven. This, this could be the best wide quarterback situation for Michael Thomas heading into this year. I am a slight downtick in targets, but coming back down to earth about 160 for 107 receptions. Again, that feels weird saying downtick and 107 receptions <laughs> in the same right. sentence, but I guess we got to go there. Um, I'm 13 points per game, wide receiver 12 in 2021, right behind where Allen Robinson finished right ahead of Robert Woods. So that's why I have my have borderline uh, wide receiver one. I like that spot. I think that you can argue, like you had said, that this is a decent match made in heaven. However, I think that you're going to see a lot less accuracy from Winston than you did with Breeze. And it's, I'm just interested to see how Thomas reacts to that. I think Thomas is a very good receiver, and I don't think that. 77.6. Yeah. That and is just, Michael Thomas's career catch percentage. That's not going to happen with Jameis Winston. I, I have him that's at what I mean, you 67, know? which is still very good for an outside. That's like slot receiver numbers. So I have him ungodly high for the position he plays, and that's what's going to bring him down to earth for me. Not the target share, not anything else, just the inaccuracy from the quarterback. And that's where I agree. Six, that's so yeah. high. Yeah. I, yeah. I, did you look at Troutman's from last year? It's absurd. Troutman's is up in like the 90s. But that's what so, I'm buying. And we're going to go there. Buying. We'll Spoiler get there in a second. But, Ryan, how do you feel about Michael Thomas? Is wide receiver 12 seem about right for you? Yeah, I just – like you said, James Winston's inaccuracies is kind of a concern. But, I mean, Michael Thomas is – I feel like he's still an elite option at the at the wide receiver position. I, he's coming off outside of last year, back-to-back Pro Bowls, two back-to-back All-Pro seasons. Still led the team in targets on a per-game basis. Uh, but he his career low. He was a career low in, on a per game basis in snaps, catches, yards, touchdowns, and yards per target this past season. But he's also been a consistent top ten receiver since his rookie year. He hasn't been below a top ten receiver, including his rookie season, outside of last year. So uh, I feel like wide receiver twelve is probably about right for this for the situation that he's currently in now. If I honestly think if Breeze would have been back, it might have even hurt him a little bit just because he just Breeze's arm was just shot after last season. Like, and I think you could clearly see that. So I feel like Jameis Winston actually boosts his ceiling up a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if he finished higher than wide receiver 12, but I don't, I can't put him any lower than that. If you, if you know what I mean? So what you're saying is Jameis Winston's better than Drew Breeze. Bob, you heard that, right? I heard, I heard it. I took notes. We were writing yeah. it down. Yeah, I, I've got it for later. We actually isolated that soundbite already. It's going to be yeah. used on promo work next week. Yes, for as sure. Currently, as currently constructed, he, James Winston is a more fantasy-friendly quarterback than Drew Brees is right now, is, yeah, is what I would say. Yeah. I completely okay. agree with that statement. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Is it fishing season, boys? Or should we be baiting for Adam Troutman? What do we feel, Bob? I feel like the dad jokes are uh, that level tonight. Hey, I, you know what? I'm not even a dad, okay? I just have bad jokes, okay? Just back off. <laughs> I have him with 75 targets, 51 receptions, 561 yards, and seven touchdowns. I love Adam Troutman. I love – I always brag about my tight ends. I Every year I put out the most accurate tight end cheat sheet that you will find anywhere, and it's because they don't move very much from year to year. We have very small breakouts, and it's over a large amount of time, but I've seen enough. I've seen enough um, – and I, I have to give him that target share. Nick Vanette is a good tight end. Don't get me wrong. He's great for this team, 
but he's blocking. We don't need to worry about any of those targets going his way. I think I have him on 20 on the season. Um, where we're getting Adam Chapman now, do you know where he's being drafted? Um, he's late. not. Yep. His price is free 99. So I will take him there all day long. Um, I, if I wait a little too long, like I tend to do sometimes, I have no problem taking Adam Chapman as my tight end one. If you're in a flex position and you want one of the guys who, you know, can have that boom or bust season, um, he can take you to the next level. I love Adam Chapman. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm drafting him right now. I just got him in 13 or 14 in a 10 team dynasty startup. I'm taking him as almost my tight end too, as like that, like you said, that boomer bust type player that's sitting behind like a middle range tight end one from last year. And I, I like Adam Troutman. I am all in on him. I think I was high on him last year. And I just think that the situation is going to be great. Winston's always targeted his tight ends, especially in the red zone. Yeah. Um, and I think Troutman just, I think he's going to be easily up in that middle of tight end one range this season. Ryan, how do you feel? No, I love Troutman, especially for where you're getting him at. I mean, you guys were talking about where you're getting him in drafts. I just got him literally an hour ago. I drafted him at the 1803 in a 10-team tight end premium league as my tight end three. Like so you're telling I, me I, I drafted him too early. Goddamn. Or I'm just drafting with people that don't really know the value of that Adam Troutman is going to hold this season. I mean, that's my kind of league, baby. <laughs> Take I mean, advantage. He was he was PFF's best uh, blocking tight end apparently, and I I didn't expect that. I was looking into it a little bit, and I did not expect to see that. And he didn't have that great of a uh, snap share last season, but they also had uh, Jared Cook, who's a little bit more of a established veteran. But his snap share did increase throughout the year, so they wouldn't have let Jared Cook walk if they didn't have faith in Troutman to be the be the guy that they can rely on. So yeah, I'm all in on uh, Troutman this year. Didn't Just Peyton for the come record, out and say I that he is like Jeremy Shockey. Didn't Peyton nope. relate him to Jeremy Shockey? I believe he said that. Just so you know, in case you want to know, I believe he did say that. I could be wrong, but go yeah. ahead, Bob. In order to have him where I have him in my ranks at tight end 12, I lowered his catch percentage all the way down to 68% and gave him only 11 yards per, per reception. So I don't have him scoring a ton of touchdowns. I don't have him doing anything outside of the ordinary for what Adam Troutman can do. So if the targets are there and I only gave him 75 tight end 12, that's a great spot to be. That's where all those tight end that tight end congestion, you know, between 12 and like 18 where the guys are all kind of the same. I love Adam Troutman there. I know they get a bad rap tight ends for being touchdown dependent, but they're also one of the more predictable positions on the field if you get the right matchup. So Adam Troutman, absolutely love him. And there you go. You have it. Adam Troutman's the guy you want to own. All right, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. The last team in the AFC or in the NFC South for us. But let's move on to the uh, ageless wonder here. Uh, Tom Brady, who who finished quarterback eight last year and averaged 21.8 per game. Bob, do we think he repeats this again? I do. I do. Um, I have him at quarterback 12 right behind Matt Ryan. He's currently going quarterback 11. I'll absolutely be buying. Nothing changed. He doesn't age. He's out eating an, an avocado raw somewhere right now. I don't even know what he's doing, but he's taking care of himself. I'm not worried about you know, like Drew Brees or, you know, having a poor second half of the season. I think he just picks up where he left off. He wasn't slinging the rock. He's just a really good quarterback. So, yeah, um, they threw the ball 61.5% of the time in 2020. I think they're a little better, and I expect him to come back down to earth a little bit. 
But with the weapons he has, I have his touchdowns being a little lower, his interceptions being a little higher. But that yardage has... He can win you a league on just his yardage next season. I have him 4,863 projected yards. And I, I kept... Again, I kept trying to reel it back in. Come on, bring it back down to reality. And I just couldn't justify having him any lower. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, he came out and openly said this just a couple of weeks ago that he didn't learn the playbook till halfway through the season last year. He wasn't like fully comfortable. So I like Brady this year, especially if you're uh, looking to win this year. Um, I don't see him much as a dynasty asset outside of that. So that's what makes him super cheap in dynasty startups right now. You're getting him really late. And he's going to be that sneaky guy, like Bob said, that's going to win you a league, I think, personally. So, Ryan, how do you feel? Uh, as much as I hate to say it, I actually really, really like Tom Brady for fantasy. <laughs> Being a Bills fan, I'm not a huge fan of saying those words in the same sentence, but uh, you can't really argue with what he's done. I mean, last season, six games lower than QB 12, but he also had six games as a QB 5 or better, and he was ninth on a per-game basis. Uh, actually, I was looking into – fantasy footballers projections and they have them at 5,217 yards, 40 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And I mean, you can, what, what are you going to, what are you going to do with that? You can't, you can't discredit what he's doing. He's too, he's just got too many weapons, too smart of a football player. He does not going to put you in a position where he's going to turn the ball over a whole, a whole bunch. So as much as I don't like him personally, I, I love him as a fantasy option. And I mean, where you're getting him at, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. All right, then let's move on to the backfield here where it just starts to get messy. Like we said, there's a ton of weapons at every single skill position here in Tampa Bay. So who do we got? Is it going to be Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones as their RB1 this next season, or do we see it as an even split again? Bob? I have it as a split. I have Leonard Fournette is my guy, so I had to give him a couple more. I have Leonard Fournette with 170 rush attempts, Ronald Jones with 165. Um, I have Ronald Jones having a little better yardage, 775 to 663. Um, touchdowns are really close to even, but Leonard Fournette in the passing game is going to get more targets. I'm with set, uh, 30 receptions for 270 yards and another six receiving touchdowns. That gives him the edge for me. How about you, Ryan? Is it Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones? <sighs> All right. So looking, I feel like a lot of people are basing what they're, doing with Fournette strictly off the postseason. I mean, 300 yards, three touchdowns through the, through the postseason. Uh, he was not very good in the regular season. If you if you look at his regular season numbers, only four yards per carry twice through the whole through the whole 13 regular season games that he played, only five goal line carries in regular season, 28 red zone touches, never had more than 15 carries in a game, had multiple just absolute duds, seven carries, 15 yards against the Broncos, five carries, five yards against the Saints, was a healthy scratch in week 14 where apparently he almost got cut. Like they were ready to cut him because of his attitude. And Rojo was just a much more effective runner. I mean, he, he's a former second round pick 978 yards last year, 5.1 yards per carry, eight touchdowns. Uh, in his six games that he had 15 plus carries, he had over 80 yards and average over 4.4 yards a carry. He had seven goal line carries at 30 and 33 red zone touches. And he was eighth in yards created and yards created per touch. So I feel like he's just a, better football player at this point in their careers. And I think they might trust Fournette a little bit more after his postseason, but I think, I think Rojo is just a, just a more explosive player and just injuries just kind of hindered his ability to stay on the field last year. 
I think you, I, I love everything you said there. And I do think Ronald Jones might be the better rusher. But the first thing I have to say, you got, you got to dance with the girl who brought you there. And that was Leonard Fournette during the postseason. And I think he's going to get a lot more looks. The other thing I, I always say, and um, I, I cover Major League Soccer, and there, there's a lot of player turnover there. But what I always say, you got to follow the money. Right? Ronald Jones was on this roster two years ago when they drafted Kashawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. He was on the roster last offseason when they brought in Leonard Fournette. They jumped on him as soon as he got cut. They're both on the roster now. They're bringing Giovanni Bernard. So I don't think it's as cut as dry as saying one of these guys is better. But I do, when I see a lot of new guys being brought in, I tend to favor the new guys over Ronald Jones Jr. here. I like that way. And I, as you call it, follow the money. I always like to go with the follow what the teams do kind of mentality, not what they say, because it's, it's true. Like, obviously, something's not getting done there between Fournette and Ronald Jones to bring in Giovanni Bernard. And like you'd said to draft Keyshawn Vaughn, they obviously weren't happy with Ronald Jones, but then Vaughn got to the side seat because Fournette got brought in. So leading us into my next question is, is Giovanni Bernard or Keyshawn Vaughn going to be viable as any type of fantasy, or do we just see them as kind of like only injury basis ads? Bob. I have never owned Keyshawn Vaughn on a roster, and after seeing what's been going on with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster, there'd have to be a lot of a change in situation, like him moving on to a different team for me to ever roster him in the future. How about Gio Bernard? you had any interest in him in Tampa or no? I love Giovanni Bernard. I just don't want him on my fantasy team. Fair assessment. I agree. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with, uh, with Keyshawn Vaughn, just from looking at, just from looking at everything I was doing for the pod. And I mean, coach speak isn't really much of anything right now, but Arians did come out and put like a vote of confidence out for Keyshawn saying that he should have a breakout year this year and all that stuff. But like I said, you can't really, you can't really go based off of, uh, coach speak right now. I mean, there's a reason why they brought in Shady McCoy last season and obviously they brought in Fournette and carried him to the, the Super Bowl. But uh, Geo, I could I could see him playing that uh, that PPR yeah. that PPR role yeah. for them. I mean, six point three yards per carry or per target for his career, seventy five percent catch rate. I mean, he he's a good receiving back. Like they wouldn't, I don't think they would have brought him in. And knowing Tom Brady and how Bruce Arians kind of let him run personnel decision, not run personnel decision, but he has a say in personnel decisions. I don't think they would have brought him in just to let him sit the bench and not really do anything. So I feel like he is definitely going to have some sort of role in that offense. I'm just not sure it's good enough to be a fantasy viable option in their offense. For the like record, that. I have him leading the backfield with 60 receptions for 360 yards. It just doesn't matter. The math isn't there. It's not enough. Yeah, right. I agree. I think like maybe if you're like starting like three or four flex options, you know, if you're at like a really deep league, but outside of that, I agree the math and, just the numbers aren't there to go around, especially once you move on to the wide receiver position. You have guys and names with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. You have Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson, and Scotty Miller. What are we doing here, guys? With Is it Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson, or Scotty Miller? Who do we want, if any of those three? Bob? That's a really tough question because I have four wide receivers statted out that I think will have some some kind of impact. 
Um, I think it's Evans and Godwin, obviously, number one. Antonio Brown, you have to play him. They they paid him. He looked really good over a, uh, the second half of last season. Then I do have Scott Miller. I just I think they're going to be targets elsewhere. I, I kind of what I do when I set my players out, I take the top three or four options and then see how many targets I have left, dump them on the last guy. So like Scotty Miller has, you know, for the wide receiver four, five, and six, kind of all those stats together. But I have Antonio Brown with 90 targets for 60 receptions, 663 yards, four touchdowns. That's enough for me. Yeah, I mean that seems that screams a nice flex option there for the for that. Uh, Brian, how do you feel about Antonio Brown? So, I just did it real quick on on these guys. I would I'd want Brown over any of them in redraft or a best ball league. I want Tyler Johnson in dynasty and especially because Brown and Godwin could both be gone next season. I feel like Johnson's a better dynasty option. Uh, Scotty Miller does seem to have a uh, rapport with Tom Brady a little bit. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's the one that caught that touchdown pass in the, in the postseason right before half right before halftime against Green Bay, I believe it was. And uh, Tom Brady just seems to have that trust in him. But with the other three, four options that are ahead of him, I can't really see him being that much of a fantasy option unless one of them gets hurt. So I want, like I said, I want Brown and redraft and best ball and Johnson and dynasty leagues. So let's talk about the two who are in front of them. Let's talk about Mike Evans. I think a guy who has been kind of just disrespected a lot. I mean, not necessarily disrespected, but like as far as fantasy drafts go or a fantasy value, it seems like he's a hard player to move or get drafted in an adequate position where he should be. Um, he finished wide receiver 11 last year on 11.2 per game but yet again he's had a thousand yard seasons every single year since entering the nfl and he had a career high in 13 touchdowns last year bob how do we feel about mike evans is this repeatable is he a wide receiver one again for you or high-end wide receiver two he's neither he's a mid-tier wide receiver two for me next season and it's just because the targets just just aren't shaking down how i like and because i think there's going to be a little bit of an efficiency drop um, his career uh, average for uh, catch catch, catch rate is uh, 56.4%. Last year, that went up to 64%. You can call that the Brady boost, but on a lot of those, uh, you know, go up and get them balls, I think the, the ball just fell his way a lot more than we've seen in the past. And I think, you know, part of that could be because there were more targets on it, around in this offense. But um, I have him at about the same amount of targets. I have Mike Evans at 1,001 yards, nine receiving touchdowns. I see a little dip in everything just because of that efficiency dip. And when we're talking about the top 20 wide receivers, that 7% is enough to put him above all those other guys. So I see Mike Evans going back down to earth. I know you don't want to see him disrespect like that on your show, but that's where I got him. <laughs> it's fair. Understandable. I won't judge you for the disrespect. It's okay. But Ryan, how do you feel about Mike Evans? No, I, I, I agree with Bob here. He had he had 31% of the team's receiving touchdowns last season, 11th highest mark in the league. I don't see that being repeated again. I don't. I think their weapons are too good. Chris Crowd would be a little bit healthier this year. And I just don't see that touchdown production uh, repeating itself again. But, I mean, he has been – just super consistent. I mean, 11, 100 plus targets, 65 catches, 65 plus catches, 1,000 plus yards every season of his career. He's got five seasons of eight or more touchdowns. And he's one of only 12 players ever with those with those stats to start a career. And only A.B. and Larry Fitzgerald are the only two that are currently active that have done that. So 
he's he's durable. I mean, seven games missed in seven seasons, so he misses a game a year. Uh, I mean, he's just – I think I have here these wide receiver 12 in ADP currently, and so maybe he's not getting that as disrespected as he, sh- as he has been, but he's just uh, he's just a consistent big-body receiver that Tom Brady really has a connection with, and he uh, he's just a viable, viable option at, at this current ADP right now. I just like everyone else in that range a little better. I mean, he's going the same spot as Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, C.D. Lamb. Are you taking him before C.D. Lamb next season? Oof. I'm, not, I'm Dak, certainly not. Tough. I, in, in Dynasty, no. In, in redraft, though, I think that's tougher because C.D. Lamb is technically the number two and Evans is the number one target, technically the number one target in a Tom Brady-led offense. So, I mean, in redraft, that's a little bit tougher. Dynasty, no, absolutely not. I, w- I would obviously want Lamb over over Evans in Dynasty. And I think it's a good argument to be made there. I mean, obviously, Mike Evans had a career year. And like you guys said, his touchdown numbers were crazy, but the argument can be made, like you said, Antonio Brown missed time. I mean, Chris Godwin missed a lot of time. These guys are coming back, and like we'd mentioned before, with the running back room and now the wide receiver room, and we'll get to it with the tight end room. There's a lot of options, and we know Tom Brady is a quarterback who he's not going to just key on one guy. He's he's going to spread the ball. If you're open, you're open. You're going to get the ball. If you're not open, he's going to throw to whoever's open. You know what I mean? He just tends to find those guys. So, I mean, as much as I say that, I don't think McGavin should be disrespected. And obviously the ADP right now that Ryan brought up being wide receiver 12 is that people have caught on. He's kind of driven up a little bit, but I can also see myself where Bob is saying, like, I would rather have Terry McLaurin or Amari Cooper over Mike Evans on the fact that both of those guys being, I think, a bigger big play type slash yak more like production to that versus where Mike Evans kind of just seems like that 50, 50 guy he goes up, he gets the big balls. And like, how much do we expect Tom Brady to do that again? This year? I actually so. have a great stat for you from last season. Evans and Godwin both were near the top of the NFL with nine 25 yard or more catches. So they do have that big playability. They can get the ball. They can go up, uh, up high. Um, nine 25 plus yard catches. That's that's every other week. Yeah. And I mean, I I agree. I think like I'm not saying like a bit that as like the big play is in that. I mean, more like so, for example, you like you're taking a slant route and like Terry McLaurin could take it to the house. I feel like Mike Evans just doesn't have that dragging his toes. He's going to be dragging his toes. You know what I mean? Like he just doesn't have that factor where I think Terry McLaurin, you could take that just easy 10 yard slant. and All of a sudden he's gone to the house. So like I want that. At that position, I'm taking that upside over what Mike Evans is a safe floor, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, if you're drafting Mike Evans, you know what you're getting. Where Terry McLaurin, you're drafting him in that range, expecting him to be that wide receiver one, like wide receiver eight range. You know what I mean? Where you know Mike Evans is going to get you 12, you know? So, I could see that. But let's move on real quick to Chris Godwin. I mean, do we think he returns? Obviously, he, he missed four games. So, he did average 10 and a half Per game so do we think chris godwin almost takes over the wide receiver one role now like does he really eat into mike evans or do we think it's like a 50 50 like the Fournette rojo bob yeah i'm taking the 50 50 i have him uh right now as um right at 110 targets 76 receptions 926 yards and seven 
receiving touchdowns. That's only enough for wide receiver 27 on the season. He's currently being drafted as wide receiver 16. I love Chris Godwin. I just don't think he's going to have the opportunity because him and Mike Evans are splitting so many similar targets. When you look at what like Antonio Brown did last season, I was just talking to Nick Scripp from P2W Fantasy. He was just on our show earlier. And he brought up the fact that Antonio Brown was catching screen passes behind the line of scrimmage. He was used, being used on bubbles. He was being used really close to the line of scrimmage. Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans are going to be trying for these targets. And with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive improvements, they're just not going to be throwing the ball as much. Chris Godwin, I love the player. I love the talent. I got to be out. And it's just because I can't make the numbers fit. Understandable. Ryan. So Bob, how many yards did you have him projected at? 926. So assuming that he stays healthy all season, which is obviously hard to do with 17 with 17 games now, it'd be less than 100 yards more than what he got in 12 games last year. So I mean I, yeah. I can I can see I can see the argument, but like I I can see I just see him getting a lot more yard a lot more than 25 yards per game over the over the game or over those games that he missed. You know what I mean? He was fifth in QB rating when targeted fourth in catch rate last year, 13th in yards per target. So it wasn't like he was getting just these screen yards or screen plays or anything like that. And just kind of housing them. I mean, he was getting deeper targets and well, he was well above uh, league average in that, in that metric. And I, I saw some people talking about, he had, drop issues last season and worried about maybe his hands are starting to get a little shaky or something like that. But people got to remember he, he had surgery on his index finger, which obviously he's going to play a, a part in that. And he's never had more than four in any season before that. So I'm not worried about the drops or anything like that. So if, if anybody has ever mentioned that, I'm not too concerned with that, but I mean, he's just, he was a top five wide receiver two seasons ago and he's still what, 24, 25 years old. I mean, he's, he could very easily take over that, wide receiver one position if he stays healthy and if he keeps that rapport and keeps catching balls when he's thrown because like I said fifth and QB rating when he's targeted in the whole league I mean that Tom Brady's you know Tom Brady loves guys like that absolutely my problem last year he dropped um to 12.9 yards per reception from uh 15.5 which was his highest and when we bring when I started him out I gave him 69 percent of his catches that is an ungodly number so i just if it goes down let's see what i have him for yards perception 12 2 so i have him taking another half step back um to 12 2 if we let's let's just see i can plug it in if i bring him up to 15.5 yards per reception that brings him up to 1176 yards so there's your number just like that you know um so it's really going to come down for the yards perception for me and i can't ignore such a step down it's almost three yards per reception that's huge no, that's fair, but do you, do you think the hamstring issue played a part in that at all? Yeah, of course. It's it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. And maybe when we get closer to the season and I see him play in some preseason action or see him in training camp, maybe I'll, I'll lift him up a bit there. But that's the difference to me. I have uh, Evans 14.5 yards perception and Godwin with 12.2. Fair enough. I think it's, I agree with both I could see Godwin taking over, but I, I agree. I think that there's just too many mouths to feed here that any of these guys are really going to be super high wide receiver one numbers. Um, I think 27 feels so low when you talk about it with Godwin, but I could see it happening. There's just so much talent and depth in the wide receiver position in the NFL, let alone fantasy. So I feel like he's a, 
I don't know. I feel like Evans is the safer bet to finish wide receiver two numbers than Godwin. Um, but I think it's just, it's really dicey. It's a tough team to own fantasy assets for because of the way that they spread the ball around to all of them, which obviously works. They want a Super Bowl. So, yeah. And we're, we're splitting hairs here. I mean, these are two incredibly, incredibly talented guys. Yeah. So, you know, we're just trying to see yeah. which counted guy is better than which other incredibly talented yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, although I, uh, you know, no, maybe I'm better than them. No. Just joking. It's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> but anyways, let's move on to tight ends. Gronk, who finished as tight end eight last year in a 9.3 points per game basis. Do we think Gronk repeats as a top 10 tight end this year? Or do we think Cameron Brait and a healthy OJ Howard kind of eat into that where they're all just not really viable for anything outside of maybe uh flex play on a tight end premium league? Bob? So I see uh, Rob Gronkowski with about 65 targets, Bray and O.J. Howard at about 35 each. And again, I really had a stretch to get those numbers up there. I don't think Gronkowski is going to repeat as a top 12 because we saw him coming in fresh halfway through the season. I don't know how 17 games on an old Rob Gronkowski is going to help him stay fresh come playoffs. Maybe they do keep him out again. Maybe they they play Fournette with him last season where you see O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, you know, getting the attack early. And then at the end of the season, when Gronk, you know, is done swimming with sharks on Shark Week or whatever he's doing now, um, <laughs> he'll he'll be that plug in guy. You know, again, we, we brought up in our last podcast that O.J. Howard um, heavily out was heavily out targeted Rob Gronkowski when they were on the field together during last season. It's a small sample size, but I have to think all three of these tight ends are going to get work. Yeah, and I like that option, and I agree. I think that I'm pretty much out on the tight ends here this year. I think Gronk, I'm gra- I'm grabbing him in like late rounds as like a possibility, like a big boom or bust type guy, but most likely not going to play maybe in like a bye week or something for my other tight ends, but I'm not expecting Gronk to be my main focal point at tight end. How about you, Ryan? No, I agree. I think he's strictly a tight end or bus or touchdown or bust option at the at the tight end position. Uh, I'm I'm fine with people taking him uh, in a middle middle right. Oh my gosh, middle to late round of a uh, tight end premium league, but I'm not looking to acquire him in any way, shape, or form unless I'm in like some sort of dire tight end situation and people are just being stingy and you have to make some sort of move. But for me, when it comes to Bray and Howard, I mean, it's, it's availability versus ability. I mean, Cameron Bray's only missed three games since 2015. Howard's missed 22 since 2017. I mean, you can't you can't trust a guy, a guy like that. Even though Howard is, he's clearly the better physical and athletic option. He's he's much more physically and athletically gifted and a better blocker than Cameron Bray is. But they actually leaned a lot on Bray in the in the postseason. He actually almost doubled, or he actually almost matched his regular season production in the four games that they had in the postseason with 14 catches 175 and a touchdown so if you're i mean if we're playing that card with with fournette to where they used him in the postseason i feel like cameron bray is that option if they want to decide to rest gronk or if they if maybe gronk gets hurt where his back starts acting up again or something like that i feel like bray is just more available and they lean on him a little bit in the postseason so i feel like he'd he'd probably be the option for me if uh if they were there, but Howard, like I said, if it wouldn't surprise me if Howard was to become relevant, if he's able to stay healthy, just because he's so physically and athletically gifted. 
when I bring up where right. they are going in drafts currently, Rob Gronkowski is going uh, tight end 10 at the ninth round, second pick. He's going ahead of Hunter Henry, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts, Evan Ingram, Robert Tanyan. Robert Tanyan, that's criminal right there. But all <laughs> those guys I have over Rob Gronkowski, so I, I got to be out. I won't own any. Mm. Nope. I didn't realize he was going that high, honestly. I haven't really looked. Like I've looked at DLF. I just haven't like really looked at the tight end position. Over that's Goddard? crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That God high, is going I mean. 10th round, sixth pick. That is a round and four picks after Rob Gronkowski. Wow, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, on that crazy, that's awesome cool. stat that Bob just gave us, we are going to end this uh, show this week. Um, Bob, why don't you lead us off and let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on? find us at idsports.com youtube.com backslash idsports just past uh 510 subscribers looking to get up to a thousand by the end of the year so nice. definitely subscribe to that hit the uh bell icon so you can find out when you drop new content we're on every major podcast platform just search for ie zero sports ied sports um we're doing nfl we're in full swing now uh we took a couple months off you know we took a couple months light i wouldn't say off um to to regroup um i just finished a project before the major league soccer season where i interviewed uh radio hosts and uh contributors for all 27 major league soccer teams um i put an article out every wednesday seven straight weeks seven out of seven so far in the green winning money betting on a major league soccer so you should find that at idsports.com written article and then a recap episode every week so basically what he's saying is he knows what he's talking about. So go subscribe to them. So I fully <laughs> endorse that. Ryan, how long you let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mackie underscore FFB. Uh, going to have some articles coming out here shortly when uh, Yards Per drops their, their guide here that they're going to be dropping for different strategies of uh, – redraft and dynasty and all, all sorts of crazy stuff. I can't even begin to list all of it, but uh, hoping to uh, get some positive feedback from that once it drops. I know Jeremy said it was a little long, but uh, hoping that it's, uh, it's a somewhat informative for at least somebody. But uh, Bob, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. it great talking with you, man. Oh, thank you for having me guys. Yeah, it was our pleasure, Baba. Thank you again for coming on. And like I said, I fully endorse I80 Sports. You guys do some great work over there. Thank you for kind words. Oh, always, anytime. And uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter at PopesFFH. And like Ryan had said, you can find some of my articles over at Yards Per, as well as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And everybody stay healthy and see you guys next week.